Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Dr. Vivian Tam is a leading authority in the realm of holistic health and skincare, holding a doctorate in Chinese medicine. With a dedication to skin and hormonal health, she's renowned for her informative seminars across Australia, being the founder of Zilch Formulas, a wellness brand that brings Chinese medicine to beauty routines, and her role as the principal practitioner at Melbourne's Cosmetic Acupuncture Clinic. Dr. Tam's accolades are numerous, with credentials including a bachelor's in applied science in both Chinese medicine and human biology. And as a registered practitioner under the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency and an accredited member of the Australian Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine Association, her insights are both insightful and influential. In today's episode, we explore the profound wisdom of Chinese medicine through the lens of longevity and ageless beauty. We'll uncover how Chinese medicine illuminates the intricate connection between hormonal health and radiant skin and how this ancient discipline provides holistic solutions for the modern individual. From the fascinating interplay between gut health and skin radiance, to practical tips for seamlessly integrating Chinese medicine practices into your daily wellness routines, my conversation with Dr. Tan will guide us on an enlightening journey towards inner and outer vibrancy. I'm so pleased to bring you this transformative conversation that may just reshape your understanding of wellness and empower you to embrace the wisdom of an ancient culture. Dr. Vivian Tam, I'm so delighted to have a doctor of Chinese medicine on the podcast. It's actually been someone, an expertise in an area that I'm so curious about. And to have you on the show is really an honor. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, It's interesting you say that because I feel like Chinese medicine is maybe having its moment a little bit. You know, people are starting to clue on about holistic medicine, holistic health. Um, so Chinese medicine is slowly catching up, I think, um, in people's eyes. I think that the Chinese medicine has got a really interesting history and legacy of being interested in the concept of longevity and beauty. So it seems a really um interesting place to circle back to when you're having these conversations around longevity, uh, cellular wellness, um, beauty. And of course, you know, we've, we've seen the Western appropriation of gua sha as, uh, you know, a treatment, which is really an acupuncture, um, acupressure, uh, treatment modality. Yeah. And, certainly in the fertility space there's a lot of conversation around Chinese herbs um but longevity is kind of the Chinese medicine bread and butter right well for us longevity really comes down to how how what you can do for your body to age as well as you can that's kind of essentially what it is right so you know longevity for me is not how long can I live to but how can I improve my quality of life for as long as possible Absolutely. And, and I guess being a culture right. that respects its, its elders is, is kind of an interesting place to start. I always like looking at those cultures, you know, a lot of the Mediterranean cultures, um, the, the elderly are still regarded as valuable. And, and so, you know, a culture that respects its elders and has a place in society for them, for to the end of their lives is a, I think an interesting culture to talk about uh, wellness, longevity, um, you know, um, uh, neuroplasticity, all of those things, because uh, it is a culture that's saying, okay, we know that you have value for a long time. Correct. And, and there are lots of things in place in, in the Chinese culture and in the Mediterranean culture and in the Chinese medicine itself that is focused on, um, how can we keep you really well? Because actually, like you said, we you do have value. You know, we do see sometimes in in um, society where elderlies are kind of regarded as, oh, you've had your time, you know. And it's not so much that they don't matter, but there's not 
as much focus on their health and wellness yes um you know after a certain age and and in chinese medicine you know there is a, a big focus on what can we do to preserve or to enliven or to you know um help with you know it doesn't even have to be about oh you know this elderly person is sick and she has cancer it's more about oh she's a little bit out of breath or she's feeling a bit tired or you know she's you know having some issues with her joints and it's finding stiff to get out of bed and you know in a lot of society western society we might see that as oh that's normal she's aging and in the Chinese culture or Chinese medicine, we would look at it and go, oh, we could actually help with that. We should probably look into why she's stiff getting out of bed. We should be able to get her moving a little bit better or feeling a bit more well or a bit more energetic. So, um, you know, it's interesting because I, I I think because I've grown up in it and I am in it, I've never really stopped to think about it. And now that you've asked me that question, I'm like, yeah, I, I suppose that is definitely a thing. <laughs> well, what I'm hearing from what you're saying is that Chinese medicine is very much concerned with vitality um, and it's the science and the medicine of extending vigour, vitality, uh, suppleness, as you said, of mobility. So perhaps we could start there um, and it's maybe talk us through. Preservation, it's about prevention more than, oh, really? more than anything. Not that Chinese medicine isn't great for really acute things because it, you know, it is fantastic for, for those things too, but the concept of Chinese medicine is let's look after you when you're not unwell so that we don't even have to think about it. You know, that's that's always been a thing. A prevention, so it, you know, prevention is better than cure, essentially. Is it a thing that's part of the culture as well as it being a medical thing? So um, yeah. talk talk me through it because I, very, I'm really very curious. Much. Mm. I mean, a very simple example is, you know, we look at food as medicine and not in the sense of, oh, that food is a certain herb that does a certain thing. But we look at food as a, it is our fuel for the body. So it is, you know, so important that we actually put in the right things into our body because at the end of the day, it's all part of health. And so we look at, you know, down to what are we eating for breakfast? What kind of foods are we putting in our body to make sure? And this is not just, oh, for the energy for the day. It's 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 for a good life. It's for a longevity. It's for good health you know, ongoingly, um, you know, a very small example of it being part of the culture is when I went to Chinese school when I was younger, you know, we used to have teachers that used to walk around with these clear glass jars and they were literally like pasta jars. I'm and totally going that. to go there. I want to know what <laughs> is in these jars. Yeah. And so these China. jars are floating with herbs and got berries in them. And, and I remember as a young kid kind of going, why does all these Chinese women have these, you know, glass jars of just stuff? They don't have drink bottles. They've got these glass jars of like things that are sort of tinged yellow and brown. And you're like, 100%, okay, what is yeah. it? So, so they're actually teas with ingredients that are going to help them through menopause. So they're, they're ingredients that are actually going to help preserve um, and we can get into this a little bit later because I don't want to sort of throw into the yin and yang straight away. Um, uh, go, go, go. I'm totally people. here for the yin but, and yang. <laughs> but, you know, Chinese medicine views the body as, as a whole system and we have this um, yin and yang balance system. So we believe that the body is always has two parts, so the yin and the yang, the yang being sort of the hot and the yin being the cool, the yang being the sun, the yin being the, you know, the moon or the water. So they base basically you want equal parts of anything to kind of keep your body in balance. Now, what happens through menopause is that your yin starts to decline. So the part that keeps your body cool starts to decline. And that's why you get all these really hot symptoms like hot flushes and sweating and 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 um, dryness and things that are sort of like driven by fire. Um, and so these herbs that these, you know, Chinese teachers used to hold were basically um, flowers and um, herbs that actually were yin boosting to help with counteracting that sort of decline. Now, you know, the concept is never to stop it from happening because physiologically we want to let it happen because it's normal that your body, a woman's body goes through menopause. But it's kind of like they start even thinking in their mid-40s, they're kind of like, okay, that's coming, that's coming ahead. So, so I might is there a discussion? Thinking. Is there is there a cultural acceptance then? Are you saying given that this is what this tisane or elixir that all of these women culturally move into and start thinking about is there, are you saying then that in the Chinese culture and in Chinese medicine, 
instead of it being a taboo, which is only now become fashionable to speak about perimenopause, menopause, even the menstrual years, is it something that, you know, for centuries you looked at? So, so if you, I mean, this is kind of funny, but maybe not so much to the Asian community. But it, it's in our culture to just talk about those kind of things. So it's not even it. You know, the funny thing is about these teas. It's not even Chinese medicine in our eyes. It's kind of just a something that your mum or your auntie would have mentioned to you. Oh, did you know? You know, you're in your forties now. You probably should start looking at that tea. So it's it's just a you know it's just a thing that. It is in our culture. It's not, we don't even see it as we should start taking that medicine. It's more just like you should start taking that herbal tea. You should start including that into your diet. You should start looking at this. Um, and it happens from when you're a peewee little child. You're always, you know, get told, um, mom, if you're listening, sorry, but, you know, she's constantly nagging me about, oh, you know, you should put socks on your daughter because it's, you know, it's not good for her this, or you should be feeding her this because it's good for that. And so it's, it's, it's constant. It's part of our life. It's part of our culture to just really kind of talk about how to do something better, what's good for your body, what's, what's good for wellness. So um, it's definitely so not- wellness is very much a part of the DNA of, of the yeah. culture and, and beauty. Um, And it's interesting because I know that you are the founder of a cosmetic acupuncture clinic in in Melbourne. And, oh, my goodness, I the the best facial I've ever had in my life was in um, Kamalaya, which is a health retreat I go to in Thailand. And they have a visiting specialist practice practitioner, Dr. Song. And he's based in London, but he comes and stays in residence at Kamalaya three months a year. And people from all over the world fly to him. He's a Chinese medicine practitioner. He's exceptional. And he uh, gave me an acupuncture facial yeah. uh, one of the years that I was there. And I can genuinely say it was the only facial of my life that's ever moved the dial. And I had three in a row. It's game changing, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and he like he explained all my hormonal changes to me and he said, right, we're going to do this. It, it was unlike anything I've had before. So I'm dying to hear from you. What is it and, and you know, why does it work? What, what did it do to you? In what those did it do to me? <laughs> <laughs> um, if we're going to um, break it down in two parts, you know, cosmetic acupuncture or facial acupuncture is about the face, but it's also about the body. So the needles that he would have put in your face, and for those who are watching that are a little bit, uh, they don't hurt. It's not supposed to be. They hurt. don't hurt. They really don't. Hurt. Like promise. It's it, and it's actually even less confronting than acupuncture, which I also really love. But go ahead. So the needles that we use um, to start off, you know, to, to, to sort of talk about that point, the needles that we use in the face, at least in my clinic, um, are super fine ultra specialized facial needles they're a japanese made needle and there's nothing like them in the world um and they just don't hurt you pop them in you wouldn't even know i always say they should actually rename the word needle it's not even a needle i mean it is but <laughs> it is nothing like you would expect it to be and a lot of people come in now and you sound like a parent who's gaslighting their child before they go and get their injections it's not really a needle it's not gonna hurt don't worry well, <laughs> if you look at them you know the gauge of them you could fit like 10 acupuncture needles inside one of those syringe needles that you're talking about you know yes. for injections so it's it's just a it's a it's in a whole new you know a different league of its own so so, um, so basically in the face, what they do from a, a, a sort of scientific point of view is that those needles actually bring blood circulation to the area. So when you have a boost of blood circulation, you have nutrition, uh, nutrients coming to the area. You've got a boost of oxygenation coming to the area, which we all know what that does to the face and the skin. Um, and I think the the reason why you said that it kind of was a whole new level is because we're not only just looking at the skin, right? We're looking at the soft tissue. We're looking at the muscles beneath the skin. So depending on what you come in for and what you're actually trying to work on, we can work on skin level. We can work on soft tissue level. We can work on muscular level for, you know, um, facial tightness or even um, flaccidity of the muscle. So there's- It changed the shape of my face. It, that's all I'm going to say. Almost I don't contouring know that's... if you'd get it, you know, yes. if that's the focus of it. Yes. Um, so because you can use needles to specifically target um, the, the neuromuscular junctions in the, in the muscles to get them to do something. So if you've got a muscle that's, say, super, super tight here because you're constantly frowning and you can feel it's always sore and giving you a headache, you can actually use the facial acupuncture needles to release that. And so your face is automatically 
more relaxed. And in the opposite direction, if you've got a very droopy muscle, you can actually target that muscle to try and get it to tone up as well. Um, so, so, so this is a really ways. great and viable treatment methodology for someone who is, you know, a little bit aesthetic shy, doesn't want the fillers, doesn't want the tox, doesn't necessarily want the lasers, but they want to go down a natural route, yeah. but still yeah. get that really high level aesthetic result. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have I have patients that come in. I mean, for both, I have nothing against the the more conventional types of um. And can you have them together? Yes, you can. Uh, um, with precaution, in the sense that your practitioner will should know how to work around areas that have had Botox or fillers and what to do and what not to do. But absolutely, you can have both at the same time. They, I mean, people compare them all the time, but actually, they do completely different things. Right, one doesn't replace the other. Um, you know, fillers can't lift a muscle, neither can Botox, but acupuncture can. Yeah. Um, and neither of those things can actually help with, um, you know, blood circulation and hydration and work with, you know, um, redness and um, dryness and and sensitivity in the skin. So um, I even noticed an improvement in my skin pigmentation. Is that possible as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Depending on what the pigmentation is from, but you know, a it lot of melasma. And so he said that he, I had too much heat in my body, inflammation, so heat, yeah. stagnation. So you know, um, acupuncture can help break up a lot of those stagnation. So stagnation for us is another word for blockage. So um, essentially, the acupuncture needles are helping with the blood flow and, and breaking up that blockage that's causing the melasma or the big hyperpigmentation to sit in the skin. Um, you know, that's a little bit different to say something like sun damage, right? Where there was melasma. I have melasma. I don't have sun damage, but yeah, yeah I've, I felt that it moved. So for me, the thing that I noticed was like definitely a slimming around my jaw, uh, a, a revitalization underneath my eyes. I, I just felt like a freshness. it was, yes, definitely a freshness, a more exactly as you said, a well restedness. Mm -hmm. uh, I found the plumpness of my skin. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was wonderful. And I haven't, I've only ever had that treatment with Dr. Song at Kamalaya. Mm -hmm. So I have to come and yep. see you in Melbourne. I, will, Please. I, I would love, yeah, oh, I would love to, I would love to. Let, going back to the philosophy of Chinese medicine and how Chinese medicine views the body. We've touched on the yin and yang aspect. Um, and we've, you know, what's really interesting when you're talking about this, I'm Iranian. Both my parents are Iranian and I grew up in a Iranian culture. And there are so many similarities. We mm. are very much, and first of all, we're an ancient culture and food and medicine and um, the whole concept of hot and cold and masculine and feminine oh, yep. and, and herbs and food being healing and beautifying modalities, you know, we invented the hammam, we invented um, a lot of herbal medicine, you know, the pumice stone, uh, mm, yeah. all, all of that. I remember as a young girl when we lived in, so I was born in France, but we moved to Iran when I was about three and a half, four. Uh, you would go as a family to a family hammam. So it would be someone, a hammam that your family has gone to for decades, if not centuries. Generations. Generations, generations, and you would have your own allocated bather who had probably washed your mum, your grandmother, your aunts and uncles. And then we would go into this hammam and we would get scrubbed raw with um this uh kind of like a it's like a it's soap? a soap, it's right. a soap that's made out of milk. Um it's, it's so it's basically a hydroxy um a, a milk acid so it it brightens your skin it's an enzyme and it's and then up. yeah so you <laughs> you get scrubbed raw and then so you get steamed you get scrubbed and then uh moisturized and that would happen from when you were a kid yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something that's introduced to you as part of your life and your culture and yeah, yeah. Yes, and then you would be sent home with this special little uh, glove, which is essentially a dry brushing that you would do. And then you would be given this warm tea to have because 
you've you've had all this into but definitely you know when I go home to see my parents I get set, given all these herbs and things all I was given things. cardamom yeah. to drop into my tea to warm have things up have you been up. doing this have you been doing that you shouldn't Absolutely. be doing this <laughs> oh my god I feel like the turnip is on a pedestal in our culture god Iranians love turnips they really do they think- I didn't I didn't know that <laughs> You, have you funny. given your daughter steam turnip? No, but I will. Anyway, it's really Good interesting. Ginger, by the way. <laughs> it's really fascinating. But I interrupted you. I would love you to go back to the Chinese culture. We can talk about the Persian culture another time. Uh, no, but, I mean, I'm learning too. What about the liver? I know that that's a conversation that uh, I had with Dr. Song, so I'm interested to know. It, it, this seems to be a very important organ in Chinese medicine. So I'm going to start off. Before I answer that question, in Chinese medicine, when we mention an organ, liver, spleen, stomach, you know, whatever it might be, we are not talking about the physical liver. We're not talking about the chunk of flesh in the body. We are actually talking about um, a system in the body. So when we say, oh, your liver is sluggish, we're talking about the system or the action that it has in the body is sluggish. It's not working well. So if I say, hey, your spleen is sluggish, the spleen governs the digestive system in Chinese medicine. So what we're essentially trying to say is your digestion is weak. And so when we say, hey, your liver, you know, is unhappy, if you go get a liver scan, your liver is healthy. It looks fine. So don't, people kind of go, oh my God, there's something wrong with my liver. I've got to go get it checked out. It's not that. When we talk about the liver, we're talking about the system that it governs in the body. Now in Chinese medicine, the liver is super important because the liver actually governs, it basically holds blood and it um, helps with circulating the qi around the body. Now the qi is, is a, you know, a, a new concept to most people, but essentially it is the Chinese word for energy. We believe that there is essentially just an energy that runs through the body, just like blood runs through the body. Now the liver is what's responsible for keeping that moving and free flowing through the body. Um, and why that is, is important is because we need that energy to function through the body. The, the, that energy is what um, fires up the digestive system. That energy is what makes the hormone system calm. That energy is what gives you your vitality. That energy is what carries all the systems in the body. Now, if that energy or that chi is stagnant or blocked and not flowing properly, you're going to find, you know, um, you go, you're going to find your body will become stressed. Your body will become sluggish. Systems will start, I'm not going to use the word shutting down, but systems will become weak and you'll start finding illnesses and um, not feeling very well. So the liver plays a really, really big part in making sure that all of that is actually just flowing and working properly in the body. Um, so can I ask you a question? If um, I had never had a, a Chinese medicine consultation, can you talk me through what a consultation would look like? Because I think, you know, many of us have experienced seeing a naturopath possibly or uh, another uh, function, functional medicine uh, uh, it's quite different. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really curious. I, I've had a consultation uh, with Dr. Song. Um, I don't know if I had the full consultation, but I would really love for you to share what you can expect in a Chinese medicine co consultation. So it depends on what you're coming in for, but if we're talking about an internal consultation, um, we look at everything. So, so we do, you know, truly, this has probably been, again, a buzzword, but we do look at the body holistically. If you come in for a sinus infection or you come in with a sore throat or you come in with, um, you know, menstrual pain or infertility, we don't look at it as, oh, that's just um, reproductive system. You know, we look at it as what's the gut doing? What's the, you know, what's the blood doing? What's the circulation doing? What's all of that doing? So, a lot of it is questions. So we talk, talk like we are talking now, talk, 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 because it helps us paint the bigger picture of what the body is doing. You know, I'll ask you about what are your bowels doing? You know, how are you going to the toilet? What does your poop look like? Um, what does your tongue look? So there's the tongue diagnosis is a really big part because the tongue actually shows us a lot about it's an internal reflection of what's going on. So, yeah. you know, the coating on the tongue, if you've got a very thick coating, it almost always means that the digestive system is not clearing. And so it's sort of like that gunk that's sitting on your tongue is the gunk that's sitting in the body. So um, similarly, we look at the pulse. So we actually take the pulse and the pulse 
will tell us a lot about if there's inflammation, there's heat in the body, if there's sluggishness, if there's, um, you know, deficiencies in the body, depending on how fast or how slow, how strong, how weak, how wiry the pulse is. So it's a whole body sort of assessment. Um, so it's kind of, it's a scan that you would do from head to toe. So you'd essentially, have yeah. Uh, and, and does Chinese medicine, uh, rely on blood tests or stool tests or those functional testings? Not often. So most people sort of given that I'm a Chinese medicine doctor in Australia, most people will come in with those already. So we're usually like the last point of like last resort of like, oh, I'm, I can't find the, the solution for this. I might as well try everything. You know, I've come in and I've tried everything. Dr. Vivian, what can you help me with? So they often do already come in with all the tests and they've tried everything. And so we take them into account but we don't need them. Um, in China, Chinese medicine, a lot of people don't realize, is not actually complementary medicine. It is actually primary medicine. Yes. So, um, yes. In, in, um, in hospitals, like main hospitals in China, they actually treat with Western medicine alongside Chinese medicine. Yes. So there is a place for blood tests and functional tests. Um, but in Australia, you know, I'm going to say all Chinese medicine practitioners are in private practice. Um, so you know, we don't rely on them. We don't have a system to actually get people to do them, but you can bring them in. We do take them into account. But um, a lot of the time we, because we treat the body in, in a different way, a lot of the time those blood tests don't mean a lot unless it's a very obvious and drastic um, result. Or disease. Yeah. Well, people come in, for example, and they'll say, oh, I feel awful. I, I feel unrefreshed. I feel sluggish. I'm so tired. Like I'm so tired I could sleep at 11 a.m. in the morning. Um, you know, my gut's sore all the time. I'm cramping, I'm bloating, I have IBS symptoms. You know, all those really like common things that get bunched up together where you're just generally feeling lethargic and unwell. And then they'll say, oh, but I went to my GP with it and I got blood tests and they say, oh, it's all normal. But it's like. I hear that all isn't, the isn't time. Isn't that a little bit, um, oh, I've lost my word, but. How can a doctor tell you it's normal when you know you're not feeling normal? Yes. You know, yeah. and so. And, and that's if you're lucky that your doctor has ordered bloods for you. Like uh, often you don't even get to that point where they do the additional investigation. Um, I, and I think, you know, I've talked about this a million times on my podcast and I, I'll say it again. You have to advocate for your own health. You have to advocate for your own beauty. You have to advocate for your own longevity. Only you know how you feel. Only you know what's reflected back to you or, you know, are you bouncing out of bed with vigor? Are you going, are you waking up refreshed? Do you have a strong libido? Does your skin look like it's juicy and uh, are your eyes white? And if if you're not seeing that and you're not getting the support, then change your doctor, change your practitioner, change the modality. Because that's the, that's the really sad thing is because I've been doing this for I'm going to show my age now, 13 years or something. And it's sad when I see people that come in with, with things that are like so common, but actually not diseases, right? Like feeling generally unwell is not something you can really put your finger on, but you know something's not quite right. And when we do these assessments in Chinese medicine terms, we see a lot wrong. We see it and we go, oh, okay, well, that means X, Y, Z. That means the spleen is sluggish. That means the digestive fire is diminished. That means your liver is, you know, blocked. That means this and, and you know, collectively that is the reason why you're feeling all these things. And yeah. you get them onto herbal medicine and acupuncture and literally within weeks they feel different. They're better. And you're kind of like, well, there you go. It's, you know, and this is, I mean, this is not to bag out Western medicine at all. It's definitely got its place and it is wonderful in so many different ways. But it does lack a little bit when it comes to those sort of chronic, you know, unwell but not quite disease, you know, places. And um, that's where Chinese medicine shines, I think, is that we look at the body as a whole and we can kind of look at things and go, yeah, there is definitely something that's, you know, lacking here and there's something that we can do about it. One of the things that I, I know that people are aware of but perhaps have not experienced is that uh, the medicine side of Chinese medicine is uh, herbs mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of people know that the herbs are like really bitter. Oh, my God, have you had, you know. <laughs> not always, of, but yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's herbs, it's the acupuncture uh, and 
Uh, are there any other kind of modalities that you use? Yeah, traditionally, not me personally, but, you know, um, Chinese massage is part of it because they work on the meridians and the acupuncture, you know, um, channels in the body. So, uh, you know, essentially like acupressure massage or yes. we call it Twina. Um, and if you've ever had one of those foot massages, you know you're alive. I mean. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it hurts. The only way you should have a massage is if you really feel it. Exactly. Um, cupping is another one. Cupping is um, sort of part of TCM as well. So TCM stands for tra uh, traditional Chinese medicine. Um, but um, I'm a big, big fan of acupuncture and herbal medicine as the two main, and they are the two main modalities in Chinese medicine. Yes. So it, going back to to that do does chinese medicine um look at uh disease and longevity and wellness and beauty through an age lens or or is it a, a kind of a age agnostic uh medicine and it looks simply at the concern or the manifestation of the problem it's a little bit of both, to be perfectly honest. Um, it will always look at it internally. So the manifestations, the symptoms, the patterns that are happening in the body, how we treat it and how we approach it and what needs to be done about it will sometimes change based on age. So obviously we will treat an infant, a toddler, a child differently to somebody who's going through menopause. So the patterns that we find in the body will will be ever-changing depending on what your body or the age um, that you're in. So, you know, going back to that menopause example, if we see a decline, uh, if we see symptoms of a decline in yin in the body and we look at your age and we go, okay, you're 50, that kind of makes sense. We're kind of like, okay, I can see physiologically why that yin is declining. Do we actually want to stop that from happening? No, we can't stop that from happening. Can we support it so that you can ride through menopause? Yes, that's what we would do. Whereas if you were 21 and you came to me and you had show, you were showing signs of you know yin deficiency and decline and you had you know dry mouth and your hair was falling out and your skin was dry and you were hot all the time and you're having hot flushes, would we treat that as a a, you know, a, a disease or or um, a pattern in the body that we need to fix? Absolutely. We would go in there and we would go acupuncture herbs until we brought that yin back up and it was in balance. And so we do approach it differently, but we will always still look at it holistically and internally. Is that kind of what you meant? Exactly what I meant. Yes. Yeah. And and the other, uh, I guess, the, the other question that I have with regards to Chinese medicine is that when uh, you are doing the treatment and you are um, putting someone on a course of uh, Chinese medicine, how does it work with traditional medicine? So uh, let's take uh, menopause or perimenopause. Uh, if a woman is taking HRT or DHEA or any other hormonal supplements, synthetic hormones, is there a place for that in Chinese medicine or do you have your own version of HRT and hormonal support uh, and do you think of it in the same way? You know, are you trying to balance estrogen? Are you trying to no, balance it's, progesterone? It's a, it's actually a great question. It's a big question, and I'm going to try to explain it without losing you. But they definitely can go together. So I am not the kind of practitioner that says if you come and see me, you have to stop everything else you're doing because I think that everything has its place and everything has a reason for you know. If you decided, hey, this makes me feel better, I'm not going to tell you to stop unless it's horrible, obviously. Um, but we do view it in a very different way. So when we're work, working with hormonal balance, for example, um, we don't see it like what you just explained. Oh, you've got a reduction in estrogen or you've got too much testosterone. We need to bring this down or bring this up. Chinese medicine works um, in a very adaptogenic way. So I don't know if, um, again, a kind of a little bit of a buzzword at the moment, adaptogens, but we believe that the body is equipped to know what to do. It, you know, we our body in our DNA fundamentally is 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 programmed to look after ourselves, to be at equilibrium, to be at balanced state for us to live and to learn. I mean, live and to um, grow old and to age. And so, Chinese medicine is very much okay. When something's gone wrong, we only just need to teach the body how to get rid of that 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 imbalance and bring itself back to alignment. And when the body is healthy again, it is able to then 
go through menopause properly without, you know, X, Y, Z symptoms. And so herbal medicine and acupuncture essentially kind of retrain the body. So it takes away the acute symptoms, but then it also kind of says, hey, body, I actually know that you know what you're doing. So we're going to give you some herbs that actually help your body get back into balance and relearn so that you've got, your body's got its own vitality to then take on, you know, all these symptoms and, and, and ride through menopause or ride through digestive issues or, or whatever it is. So, you know, um, for example, constipation, right. You know, people that can't go to the toilet properly, you know, laxatives is the first thing people think about and you're giving your body something that's then going to push out that stool. It's a purge essentially in Chinese medicine. We kind of go, well, that's kind of temporary. It makes sense if you're, you know, really, really need to go, but that's not going to do anything for you five years down the track or even two weeks down the track. So we're kind of going, hey, the body should know how to go to the toilet. And so we look at it and go, okay, it's obviously because there's a deficiency in the digestive system that, that you know, the, 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 the bowel is not strong enough or the bowel is too weak to push through the stool or it's too dry. And you're essentially giving it the tools to, to get back to a place. We normalize that's exactly it. So we see menopause as a, hey, physiologically, you're supposed to go through that. That's quite normal. Let's allow, let's get your body back to a place where it can ride through it and feel really fine and well um, through all of it. So, and do you see, totally um, again, I'm going back to my kind of Iranian roots. We are really big believers of seasonality, both in life. So, Huge. seasons of Correct. life. Yes. Um, and then we also, work with seasons when it comes to health and wellness you know um traditionally we would only eat seasonal foods and fruits um the meat that that we would have would be you know farm uh raised and it's slaughtered and then it's eaten fresh um you get your meat from the butcher not the supermarket uh you I, i mean i remember distinctly taking uh, pots to a farm to get milk, unpasteurized fresh milk, which you would bring home and boil, and you drink some of the milk and you'd make your own yogurt. There are chains of yogurt stores, like just like I don't even know how to explain it. Like imagine instead of bakeries, yogurt stores, oh, and it would have fantastic. different types of yogurts all through Iran. And I remember that you would get your yogurt from the yogurt guy. I'm learning so, so much. Yeah. It's you know you have those really really specific things which are both cultural but also from a health perspective, and you know Iran is a highly populated country and with a huge um, you know disparity between wealthy and poor. But everyone follows this rule, and China has the same. You know, a massively populous country now a big disparity, but everyone respects them. Has this weaved into? who they are. Yep. Yep. Very much so. And it's interesting. You brought up that whole seasonality thing. Um, I thought that actually you were going to talk about like seasons in the weather, right? Um, because that's a, a, you know, actually a really big thing in Chinese medicine is that whole concept of hot and cold. Oh yeah. Um, oh my God. Hot and thing. cold. We talk about hot and cold so, all the time. Yin and yang, right? So, um, you know, and the body- foods are hot and cold, not by temperature, but by what they do to you. You got it. So, so that's actually a big one that most of Western society doesn't understand, but is actually a huge concept. And when you can actually get that to click, it's life changing. I use that word a lot, life changing, game changer, because it really is. You know, um, I always use the example of ginger. Right? You've got ginger. If you put it in the fridge, if you pick like you know Japanese um, pickled ginger, if you put that in the fridge and you take it out. It's cold. It's cold to touch, but it is not a cold food. It is a hot food or a warm food because the property of the ginger is still warming. It is a thermogenic food, right? Um, And similarly to peppermint tea, you make peppermint tea and it's boiling hot to touch, but the property of the peppermint is cooling. So when you drink the hot tea, you still feel cool inside. You've got that kind of menthol-y so we have this, we have a word, we say sardit kade or garmi kade. Sardi means um, she's been cooled and mm. garmi means she's been heated. Mm. So mm. Yep. Uh, if I say to my mom, I've got a headache, she'll, uh, or I, I feel a bit lethargic, she'll say, oh, sardit kade, which means your temperature has dropped. Mm. Go and eat something, not do something, go and eat something warming. Yep. 
We we talk about it as a um, heatiness. So you might hear that word. Heatiness um, is in excessive of yang or excessive of heat, which can cause, you know, a plethora of, you know, symptoms and things like that. So that's a really, really big concept in Chinese medicine. And it ties into everything, longevity, beauty, wellness, um, preventative, you know, medicine, all of that kind of stuff. You know, a, a huge, you know, if you would have asked me what's the first biggest and easiest tip to change your lifestyle, it is to try, your body prefers that thermogenic, that warmth, that warm food and that warm state. Um, so basically just eat more warming food, stay away from cold raw foods that are going to get your body to actually have to continue to fire up more to digest. You know, there's this huge um, thing, this huge movement around, you know, raw food, which I think is great when you look at it. Um, but it's, it's, it's only one small, very, very small part of the picture. So raw foods, they say, oh, it's got more nutritional content. I can't argue with that. It probably does. And it, it surely does. Sorry. But the second part of it is, but how does your body digest that? If you're putting raw foods in your body all the time and your digestive fire in Chinese medicine, we see it, is constantly having to fire up and work harder. You know, you're only um, pushing your body to you know, limits that it doesn't need to reach. And so we very much believe in eating warmed, cooked, you know, stewed or lightly fried or lightly, you know, so stir fried and lightly steamed foods to allow your body to actually just digest that food easier. Um, so, you know, Chinese medicine, you know, first big tip is just to eat warmed, cooked foods. And every time I've been to China, I've definitely uh, experienced that that's pare. You can't find, you know, salad in China when well, you probably can, but it's not a thing. It's not. No, a, it's not a thing. Problem. And also the, um, uh, I guess the flow of eating and um, and drinking is very much geared towards that warmth and um, and the order of things is is very important. I mean, there's ginger in everything. And that's not just, oh, because we like the taste. That's because, like you said, you know, like we explained before, it's ingrained in the culture to have warming food. So if it's it's almost like, oh, you're going to have veggies. Well, sometimes if you, you know, that could be a little bit hard to digest, you know, certain veggies, just cut ginger into it. It's a, it's just a, a thing. You know, we don't even eat tomatoes raw. Like tomatoes are a stir fried vegetable <laughs> in, yes. in Chinese culture. It sounds And gross, cucumber and a lot of things are stir fried. Even yes. lettuce have had stir fried. You're absolutely right. When you think yep. about it, a lot of the things yep. that we take for granted as salady cold foods, it, it doesn't, it just does, doesn't, they use, but exist. just in a different way and they're prepared Correct. differently. Yep. Um, I don't want to get too far off course because there's so much to talk about and so interesting. There is. <laughs> I do want to talk to you about supplementation because, uh, you know, before we recorded, we, we were having this conversation around how fundamental it is that supplementation, you take supplementation seriously because you can really change your uh, chemical uh, and your uh, physiology through supplementation. But being supplemented correctly and measuring it is so key. Talk to me about supplementation and um in Chinese medicine, I know you've got your own line. Um, you know, is it something that you, you would just buy over the counter, or is is it prescribed? How does it work? It really depends on what it is that you're trying to do. Obviously, I mean, all of this is is um, my first advice will always be to be under the care of a practitioner because they're the people that really know what they're doing. Um, a registered practitioner. Chinese medicine is one of those things, along with any sort of supplementation, is it is powerful, right? It's People powerful, kind of think, right? Like you can, you can raise things that where people go oh herbal medicine doesn't work or if it does it's really slow or it's really gentle and it kind of just does something in the background that's not true you know you can come in and you can have a drastic difference within 24 hours 48 hours 72 hours depending on what it is you're trying to change um but if somebody's given the right thing prescribed it can change it instantly people come in with let's say fever um, from having a really bad flu and you can give them herbs and they go home and then within six hours they've broken the fever and they're feeling better there is you know there's a lot you can do to the body and, and a lot of what the body can change if you're given the right thing um, and and on that same page a lot can go wrong if you're given the wrong thing um, and, and or if you take the wrong thing because you saw it on tiktok or your friend took it 
And one of the things, I learned something about drugs last year. Uh, I went and visited a laboratory at the University of New South Wales, um, and they were working on a fertility drug. And the basis of this fertility drug is a supplement. And I asked them what the difference was, and they said, the registration is all that's different. A drug, once you register a supplement as a drug, it goes through more clinical trials and processes, but it's still a supplement. And that really cemented in my mind that there are a lot of supplements that it's just easier to get them to market as a supplement, not a drug, but they are potent. Mm -hmm. You need Mm -hmm. to know what you're doing when you're taking them. That's a misconception again. You know, people kind of just think supplements and complementary, you know, herbs and things are just, you know, they're weak. They're something nice that to have. Just, well, they're, they're essentially supplements. You just use it to supplement your body with something, but actually they do do a lot if you get it right. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it is very, very powerful. And I think it's about education, to be perfectly honest. It's about understanding why you're taking it what's the what's the method in which it's doing whatever it's doing in the body um what the ingredients are in there and what those ingredients are known what to are do. the top like what are some awesome chinese herbs or uh uh, things that well, depends you know, we, on what you're coming in for, I guess. Well, let's talk uh, about longevity, I mean, beauty, menopause, those I mean, kind of categories we've been talking gin, about. Gut health. Ginseng is a huge one, right? So, you know, it's one of the most um it's one of the most widely accepted traditional Chinese medicines. Um, it is an adaptogen. It's one of the like the holy grail adaptogens. So essentially, um, what it does is it um helps the body in a very non-specific way to fight symptoms of stress and um, the physiological impacts of stress in the body, which we know plays a huge part, or maybe not everybody knows, but plays a huge part in longevity and in in aging and in beauty, right? You know, people say, oh, what's your biggest tip for skincare? And it's like, look within, always look from the inside out. You know, you can spend hundreds of face on face creams and facials, which is wonderful. I'm not saying don't do those things. But look after yourself, sleep well, stress less, or at least do something. Absolutely. That's Every single you know, reverse regenerative medicine stress. doctor will say those things first. Yeah. First is first. Yeah. Always. You know, because when you look at the example, you know, of let's say Chinese women or Mediterranean women, the ones that you look at and you're like, I can't believe she's 85, right? And she's like plump and pink. And that's not blush. That's not skincare. I'm, I'm almost certain that 85-year-old is not buying you know, the trendy skincare that you saw on Instagram or has a dermatologist looking after her, it's because she has lives well. well, she eats well, she's she's just taking life slowly. She just goes for walks and she's chilling. And, you know, this is not to discount the fact that we are all busy and not everyone has the, you know, the means and the um, to, to live that kind of lifestyle. But what I'm using that example is to illustrate how important it is to actually look within um, so we've got ginseng as the, and we've all sorry, I would say that we've heard of it. So that's a great one. But um, any caveats around self-prescribing ginseng? You don't want people running off and getting any old ginseng, right? That's that's the other thing. Is it's back to what we just talked about. It's it's only great if it's suitable, right, to the body. And the thing with an adaptogen is that it's, you know. Big asterisk disclaimer, you know, this is not medical advice. Everything that I'm saying is just general, obviously. Um, but it, because it is adaptogen, it essentially adapts to what your body needs at the time. So if it, you, your body is very deficient, it will help with boosting. If your body is very excessive, it will help with bringing that down. So, you know, things that are adaptogens are often, you know, you can never say that something doesn't have side effects, but it, they are safer to self-prescribe because you're essentially, if you're following the instructions and using the right dosage, it should essentially adapt to what your body needs at the time. Um, so what what about another one? Uh, cordyceps, you know, is another one. Which one? So, um, reishi mushrooms, cordyceps, things like that. They're skin. They're all adaptogens as well. They're very hot right now too. Anything in that uh, nootropic space is really, really interesting. Um, I'd love to hear your Chinese medicine lens, uh, you know, uh, you t- raised mushrooms. So is that as a nootropic? Is that 
What, it, what it's used for? I mean, for again, you know, I throw these words around like nootropic and adaptogen. We don't see it like that in Chinese medicine, but they, I, I'm using them because it kind of gaps that bridge between that really old school Chinese medicine thinking and what Western medicine understands or the Western society understands. It's kind of helps understand, you know, how does that herb actually do something in the body? And well, you know, in, in a scientific way, people know that as adaptogenic, right. Um, but in Chinese medicine, we view it as, you know, does it um, boost the body? Does it help with um, uh, breaking down stagnation and helping free flow that energy flow? Um, is it helping with healing the gut? Because, you know, everything starts in the gut. Um, is it helping with the blood circulation to break up blood stagnation, which can cause lots of diseases in the body? Um, is it boosting to the brain and the health of the mind? Is it good for your well, um, your mental well-being? Is it good for, you know, we talk about the word shen a lot, and it actually is the Chinese word for um, spirit. We We think of like, is your spirit okay? You know, when people are having manic um thoughts and they're, they're really shook or something you know ptsd you know we see that as your spirit has been shook something is has consumed that spirit in the body that's and that's beautiful. why you become very timid and very weak and very sort of i'm going to hide away i you know i feel cold i feel you know small and that's because the spirit has been consumed or attacked right through external stresses or you know whatever it is and so a lot of these herbs actually help with building so what does the um, reishi mushroom specifically, what you mentioned that as a, how would you, Chinese medicine view it? It's not, again, it's not really something that we we say specifically. Um, it's more just around. Um, it's a good adaptogen. It's a good, it's good with, it's good to help with boosting any deficiencies in the body. It's very nourishing. It's, it is an adaptogen. So it helps with, um, the physio physiological effects of stress in the body, which again is just basically starts a cascade of good things happening in the body, lowers cortisol. You know, once you have less stress, you've got less cortisol, which means less inflammation. Less inflammation means less breakdown of cells, which means less aging, which means more beauty. You know, so it's this really big sort of, you know, cascade of effects. Um, and that's, you know, the beauty of Chinese medicine is that it, it never is, it's not, I'm not going to say never is, it's very often a holistic thing where we're looking at a whole system, which then starts a huge change in the body. Um, and that's why Chinese medicine is very much known for um, long-term changes, right? Because we're not looking at fixing a small thing that's going to change something that, that's just acute. We're looking at changing the whole body, bringing it back into balance so that it actually, you know, doesn't continue to happen or your body has more resilience or a less, um, less um, chance for it to happen again. What about those teas that we start a conversation with? You know, the 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 um that was another one that I was going to cross my mind. Another one you were asking about specific herbs. You know, chrysanthemum tea is something that you can get at the Chinese grocery um that comes in a big dried packet, they're little yellow flowers. Um, and that is it helps with soothing the liver, so helping with that chi movement, it helps with um that excess liver heat, so that inflammation in the body. Um so again, that's why women take it for menopause. Goji berries, again, is one of those things that, you know, um, in the Western world, we've kind of adopted as a superfood, but it's, an, you know, it's a thousand year old Chinese medicine herb um, and it helps with nourishing that yin. So that helping with that, um, the nourishing the body fluids in the body, helping with suppleness, helping with, you know, so that's another really big sort of beauty, beauty and wellness herb. Um, and what about taking from your acupuncture um, experience and expertise are there things that we can do without the needles are there pressure acupressure points or uh that you know we can just incorporate into our facial massage or when we're applying our lotions and potions um do you have any advice that we could do so, at home you know we, we just talked about gua sha earlier so gua sha is actually you know um a very old old ancient chinese medicine um tool and I think I had one. Oh, I had one right here before. So that's, you know, for those who are listening or watching that don't know what it is, it's a little um, traditionally actually, you know, back in the day they were either stone or or tusk or bone. Um, and this one's a, a jade one um, because of the cooling effects. But essentially, you know, gua sha helps with lymphatic drainage, helps with blood circulation. Um, you can use the, you know, the point of it to actually massage certain, you know, acupuncture 
acupuncture. Could you show us a couple of moves that we can do that are actually correct that we haven't oh, learned off someone now. from TikTok? Yeah. Just, just a couple <laughs> of little. Google it. <laughs> just a couple of cute ones that we can do. I mean, the ones that you see a lot on TikTok and, and on Instagram and things, they're more about, um, you know, lymphatic drainage. So a lot of them are kind of moving always to the lymph nodes. So so behind your armpits, behind your ears. Um, so it's always a sort of this inside out movement, right? Because we want to sort of move towards those lymph nodes to help with that lymphatic drainage and that blood circulation. Also kind of just, I think, instinctively feels odd to kind of go in, scrape inwards or downwards. It's always up and out. Um, you know, I could maybe on some acupuncture points, you know, this one, you know, we call it the third eye, but it's it's in Chinese medicine, it's called yin tang, and it's actually really, really good for calming the mind. So if you're kind of feeling really hyper or stressed and, you know, you can't sleep and you can't switch off your mind, that's a really good one to massage. Um, you know, if you've ever had a gua sha, what you'll notice is it's a million times stronger than your own finger. So just having that leverage through the stone actually really allows you to get that pressure into that spot. Um, for any sort of sinus and blockage, you know, on the side of the nostrils here, you'll find actually like there's a, almost a dent in the bone and it's really quite sore. So really getting into that with that. And, you know, that's not just for sinus, that's for puffy eyes because a lot of people that have that puffy eyes is because they've got that, you know, extra that, fluid. that blockage and that extra fluid. Um, funny, you know, story, my my little daughter was in my room last night sleeping. She's two and a half and she kept getting up and she said, oh, my nose my nose is blocking she couldn't sleep and I said let mommy massage you and so I was had my fingers on these two points and massage and when I stopped she said oh that's better and then when I stopped she said mama massage me she said, massage me or something she said something really funny she was half asleep but she really wanted me to press those points because I think you know two and a half you don't know but your body knows oh I feel better that's something is feeling clearer um so they're three you know that triangle are three really big points that can help with just depuffing calming the mind um calming the i mean calming the mind essentially is just good for mental wellness which is good for you know everything every wellness yes exactly the last thing i want to ask you about which again is something that i've experienced in traditional chinese medicine and i i i've done it to myself but i've also done it for my daughter when she's had, you know, tummy aches or uh, bloating is the traditional stomach massage. Um, and I don't want to butcher the pronunciation, so I'll let you say what it is, but it is phenomenal. Are you talking about Bagua or something? Uh, Chan, oh, I can't even say it. Chasang Mei or Say Mei. But mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a stomach massage that I've had. And you have to go clockwise. Yes, that's the one. Yes. What's it? Yes. How do I pronounce that? I actually don't know the Chinese medicine word for that. Yeah, but it's amazing. Do you do it in your practice? I don't personally do it, but it is really fantastic for children. Yes. You do it for adults. That's what I was going to say. So I did this yes. on Lily. Yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So traditionally, it's used for all ages, but particularly good for the young ones, which we in Chinese medicine believe that their digestive system is not mature yet right? So there's still a lot of, um, what would we call it? We still a lot of chi and blood that needs to be built in and around those organ systems and that digestive system. And so um, the whole concept of it is, I mean, the main things that you need to make sure of is always has to be warm. So warm hands, warm oils, warm compresses um, in a clockwise direction, lots of pressure, and it just helps with a few things. It helps with moving the chi and blood in the area. It also helps with driving the chi and blood into um, and moving freely through the channels that run through the meridians through the stomach and, and the digestive and system. And stress. Yep. Well, Could you hold all that. Correct. So that's a liver chi stagnation. You know how we talked about what the liver, the function of the liver. So when you become stressed, we say that your chi becomes blocked. And that's why when you think about stress, symptoms it's always like tight shoulders tight stomach knots in my stomach um you know fidgety irritability they're all blockage symptoms and the liver meridians run through that you know that midsection of the body and so a lot of that massage is concentrating on freeing up that blockage through those liver spleen and digestive related organs um to help with that movement so once we move you know chinese medicine always believes if you move away a blockage 
um, encourage free flow of chi and blood through an area, things will essentially just catch up. And so a lot of that kind of, philosophy. you know, abdominal massage, which now I'm going to have to look up what it is in Chinese medicine. I mean, in Chinese terms, because I don't actually know the term for it, um, is, a you know, writing on this concept of, yeah, move the chi, allow the, the the energy in the body to kind of catch back up. Because when you've got blockage, it doesn't matter if you've got an abundance of energy in that area, it, it can't do anything. It's stuck. It's not able to nourish the area, nourish the organs, nourish the digestive system, get it to do what it needs to do. Um, and so, you know, first line of attack with, like you said, constipation or, um, you know, IBS symptoms or sore tummy and things like in children. Stress. I always find that like it really, and, and, you know, maybe that's just like, mummy giving you a warm lovely massage that also you know that contact is really nice but I always think you do hold all of that in your tummy so if you can 100%. as you said mm-hmm. relax so the deep energy. breathing and that's not Chinese medicine that's also yoga and that's you know Ayurvedic and you know probably in even Iranian culture but uh, you know they always talk about deep breathing for stress and people go oh what does that do is it just because it slows down the body but it actually drawing your breath into your tummy so deep breathing is about getting the, the, the breath into, like essentially breathe into your belly button if people don't know how to do it. Because a lot of people kind of breathe and they go, and their chest rises. But actually you want to see, you want to try not to get your chest to rise. When so people, when people are stressed, they go, they take a deep breath and a lot of people go, but you actually want to be able to not see that. And you want to, I mean, you can't see it on camera, but you want to try and get the breath into the tummy and to skip the chest. And that kind of essentially is moving that blockage that's stuck in that stomach area and really just signaling to the body to slow down, unblock that blockage and just allow your body to free flow and slow down and do what it needs to do and know to do what it knows what to do as well. Dr. Tam, how do we find a registered, you, you made that distinction before, a registered Chinese medicine practitioner in Australia? Because I am sure that, you know, uh, that's, the next thing I want to race to Um, and it would be great if we could be guided by you as to how to find you know uh, a practitioner that might be you know different depending on where your listeners are from but you know in Australia you know once upon a time it used to be statewide which is kind of a little bit scary but um, once upon a time there was a Victorian Chinese medicine board. So, you know, Chinese medicine board of Victoria and you had to be registered through there to be a registered practitioner through you know um you know, education. So you had to have a degree or a bachelor or, you know, whatever it is, was their standards. Um, And then a few years back, it actually became a um, national wide registration. So um, a registered practitioner is usually a practitioner under APRA, so A-H-P-R-A, which stands for Australian Health Practitioner Regulation. Exactly. Um, And a registered practitioner is essentially somebody that is registered with APRA. Um, and then you've got your, you know, associations that are um, associated with that. So I'm part of ACMA, which is an um, Australian acupuncture and Chinese medicine board of um, Australia. So, but the main one you'd be looking at is would be for APRA. I know that they're, you know, called different things in, in the US, it's oriental medicine registration and things like that. So um, you'd have to sort of look up in your country. So if I wanted to find a practitioner, I would go to the APRA website and look for practitioners? Yes, they should have a practitioner search in the APRA. Um, but to be perfectly honest, you can look up Chinese medicine practitioner in your local area and then you could just ask them, you know, phone up and ask them, you know, are you registered or who are you registered with? I'm going to say, you know, 99.9% for the most part, the industry is doing the right thing. Um well, right. I think with everyone, again, you go. It goes back to personal advocacy, and if something is not working for you, it doesn't matter who it is. I always say, ask the question, and if you're not getting the service, the response, the attention that you need, change practitioners, change providers. It goes for every level. Call, have a conversation, ask, find out if that's the right person for you. You know, um, I I think that. Most people in Chinese medicine, are, like I said, are doing the right thing um, because it is an industry that is growing in Australia. There is a little bit of limelight, you know, on us now. And, you know, it it only makes sense to to do the right thing in the public eye. It only makes sense to really look after your, your, your patients. You know, I am super passionate about what I do. You know, like you mentioned before, I do have my own line of Chinese medicine um, herbal supplements um, products. And we did that to, so that... Mm, 
what I have learned from the clinic and my experience in it um, is able to be reached outside of my clinic. You know, a lot of people will call in from overseas or or interstate and say, oh, I've got, you know, acne or I've got something, you know, what can I do, you know, because I can't, I don't live in Melbourne and I can't come and see you. And so the whole point of, of launching this range is around educating the public, is getting them to learn about... Is, and is to have the conversation into the modern world to kind of get people to understand so that Chinese medicine doesn't just constantly become this really like, you know, stigma, taboo, oh, it's just woo-woo medicine. Mystical. You know, yeah, you want to take it know, outside of the trying mystical. trying to demy- demystify, I don't think that's a word, but, you know, we're, we're trying to um, break down those barriers. We're trying to bridge that gap between what works and what we don't know. Um and so, you know, if you go onto my brand or even on my clinic, there's a lot of education. There's a lot about, hey, you know, this means this and why is your body doing this? And these are the you know things that you're going to look out for if you're going to take this supplement. And these are the things you're going to look out for. These are not normal. These are common triggers. And, and we're trying to really just educate as opposed to just, oh, if you've got this, buy this product. Because, you know, like we mentioned before, that's not that's not the way we should approach wellness we should educate the person first and then they have which is the whole point of why I do ageless and I'm happy to discuss Chinese medicine I'm interested in Ayurveda I'm interested in because you ultimately need to find the thing that resonates and that is correct and the you know the disciplines that are that are about education are always the ones that have got the longest longevity as a as a practice and certainly Chinese medicine is one of the oldest practices of medicine in the world. And I was so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much. much. Thanks for having me. It was just a joy and an honor. I've learned so much from you today and I'm I'm super curious, (laughs) very curious to explore it more. Thank you so much. It's always an invitation to my clinic when you're here in Melbourne. Dr. Vivian Tam, it was an honor. Thank you for breaking down and giving us some very wonderful practical insights uh, into Chinese medicine as well. I appreciate it. Thank you, Baha. Thank you. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy, and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 